What's up, citizens of Apologia? This is King Ginger, and I just wanted to take a moment to encourage you all to sign up for Apologia All Access. When you sign up for Apologia All Access, you're going to get exclusive on-demand content. This means that you and your entire family are going to get to watch every single TV show, every single after show, and every single Apologia Academy with new content dropping every single week. But most importantly, your contribution helps Apologia Studios create quality, Christ-centered entertainment that reaches millions of people on our YouTube channels and through our podcast with the gospel. So what are you waiting for? Change everything at ApologiaRadio.com non rock must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. (laughs) She hung up on me. What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got got a bit of a jiggle neck. (laughs) That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when they're not. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Gospel Heard Around the World. This is Apologia Radio. I am the ninja. We are without the bear today and the girl because we have a special situation happening here in the studio at Apologia Studios in Arizona today. I do have, however, some uh, special guests in studio with me, and we also have some on the line. So let me go ahead and make introductions right now. Uh, let's see. Who shall I introduce first? Let me see here. Let me go ahead and have... To my left is uh, somebody I've known for uh, 20 years now. He is awesome. He is uh, uh, fun, and he is knowledgeable in the scriptures, and uh, we call him Nostradamus. Yep, I'm here to, to flare and blare. Flare and blare, blare Jerry Roberts. Nostrils. Does uh, a lot of voices, and uh, he is—he's awesome. And uh, next, uh, you guys maybe don't know this. Some of you guys, I met Jerry for the first time when he was a little pipsqueak uh, homeschooling uh, woodpecker outside the Mormon temple. He was hanging out with James White, uh, doing some evangelism. He was—how uh, old were you then? Fifteen, sixteen? Uh, I was a little whippersnapper then. You were? Where, no, seriously, were you like fifteen? I was fifteen. Yeah, fifteen. 15, I was 18. I was wearing, what kind of shirt was I wearing, Jerry? You had a t-shirt that at first looked like you're just, you're really into Calvin Klein. Yes. But it turns out the CK standing for Christ, Christ is, is King, King, baby. That's right. Hey, guess what? I would I'm a, never I'm a, wear something like that again. I'm going to plagiarize in the name of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and so, to my right is uh, Honey Bridger. What up, though? What's up, man? <laughs> and on the ones and twos is Marcus King Ginger Pittman. What's up, Marcus? How's it going, man? And we have uh, <laughs> on on the line. Took Jerry a second to get that one. And we have on the line right now. Tyrell. Uh, two of our favorite people. They have a pretty sweet little situation happening on Facebook. It's called the Reform Pub. 
Um, what are they at now? What are they at now? How many thousands of uh, of of people are in the, are in the pub right now? We I mean, we were we were part of that thing when they were like at like three or something like that or two. They must be somewhere around like fifteen now or close somewhere. Not more than us. Are they there? <laughs> they, maybe they can answer so the question. I'll, I'll, I'll bring them in. I, I was I was in the middle of bringing them in. Let me go ahead and bring them in. this. And they also have they actually have a podcast. Is there a podcast? There is. It's the Reform. There is. It's the Reform Pubcast. And uh, we have them on the line right now. It's Les and Tanner from the Reform Pubcast. Welcome to Apology Radio for the first time, boys. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Of course. So we have uh, been uh, graced with the uh, opportunity to be on the Reform Pubcast a couple times. And so this is Les Tanner's first time on Apologia Radio. We're excited to have you guys. And what do you guys want to talk about today? What's up? Well, first, well, can well, I ask them what all, they're drinking? Oh, uh, <laughs> let me, what were you going to say, Les Tanner? What? Oh, I was just going to say, um, my, my church, the, the church that I'm a member of, uh, amazing PCA church uh, in my, my town, Port St. Lucie. Is co- what kind of church? It's a uh, PCA. Uh, oh, is that, does that stand for like a Presbyterian? Yeah, Presbyterian something, I think. All right. I don't, hey, I don't know. I'm not it's alone. The, it's the Presbyterian alone. Church of Apostasy. Wow. Oh, Jeff, oh, wow. Hey. Oh, Jeff, wow. We all know. We all know. Wow. Jeff, I'm about to uh, walk so, out. I know. That's how we're going to start the show off. All right. Something <laughs> just came up. I think I have to go. It's like Credo, Credo Contramundum. Like, that's how we're rolling I'm today. I'm just kidding. PCA is an awesome, awesome church. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, it's called Christ the King. So I actually wear that CK shirt uh, that you used to wear. You and do I, I don't not. wear it as a joke. You, you actually is, uh, do wear it today? Yeah. Do you yeah, really? Yeah. We've, oh, that's it's okay. Called, it's it's called Christ the King, not not Christ is King. But, hey, that's uh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's pretty cool. Um, Ooh, yeah. guess, right, so, uh, hey guys, we're going to talk about what we're yeah, drinking. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, let's do it. Bridger asked you a question, but let me just let me just <laughs> highlight the fact that since Luke isn't here, I get to play all my music selection. <laughs> oh no. It's a, it's an all trance episode today oh, on no. Apology Radio. Well, all, all oh, tr- what? Oh, no, trance. What? What? Trance. what? Trance. <laughs> oh, because I thought you said. Never well, what mind. What you think I said? Okay, we I might. Thought you said all trance all episode. Trans. Wow. <laughs> oh no! No! <laughs> no! Welcome to Apology Radio, sponsored by Target. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that would help. <laughs> Who can we contact? Um, so, Bridger, Honey Bridger had a question for you guys. Yeah, what are you guys drinking right now? Milk? Uh, well, I'm actually... Uh, I've been inspired. Uh, I've been working through the, the first few chapters of John with my family and family worship. Uh, and when you see Jesus making that wonderful miracle of turning hundreds of gallons of water into hundreds of gallons of wine, uh, it got me a hankering for some red wine. Oh, that's wow. Well, you're a wino? Wow. <laughs> Fancy. I, is it, I don't normally drink wine. Is it wine, the box kind? When, when, whenever I read The Wedding at Cana... I gotta have me a glass of wine. Yeah, hey guys, uh, on Netflix they recently ch- check you check your Netflix and look at like the the trending ones or what's hot right now on Netflix. And there is a new documentary um, that was uh, I think just put up about two weeks ago on wine, and it is so fantastic. I mean, it is what, what's oh, it I called? I gotta get the name. I'm gonna look it up on I, this episode because it is amazing. There's, no, there's actually a documentary. It may be on Netflix. It came out several years ago, but it's called Blood Into Wine. Mm. And it's actually the lead singer of Tool. He is like, he's very, he's like really, really interesting character. But one yeah. of the things, he actually has a winery here in Arizona. 
and it, and he's like really passionate. Like one of the things is sometimes I'll watch like cooking videos of uh, Gordon Ramsay, and it's amazing because you just watch him. He's like so passionate about his craft, and so the whole documentary, it's like people were just so much into it because people just watch it to watch this guy. What, what's what's the, you know the name of the lead singer Maynard. from Tool? No, I don't Maynard. know his name. Maynard. Remember his Maynard. name? No. Okay, but anyways, like, people was watching because he was so like obsessed with like the soil, and he was somewhere in northern Arizona. It has to do with, like, the soil. Okay, yeah, he was like all into like the soils and like integrating like the branches and just really fascinating stuff. Wow. So the um the the one remember we were at, we were at Darren Doan's uh, place, Marcus, and they were talking about the one wine documentary on uh, Netflix. It was called Psalm. And it was about people yes. that have to get this, basically like the most advanced degree in wine. And uh, it really is compelling. But there's a new one on Netflix, and I, I can't find the name of it. But if you guys get a chance, look on Netflix for the new documentaries. And this one's on wine. It actually has a lot of the same characters from Psalm um, there. So, you know, we should probably we should pro- probably talk for a second. We haven't done a lot of talking on Apologia Radio about, you know, wine and alcohol. We just brought it up like Reform Pubcast is on. So let's talk for a second about wine. Mm. Uh, Les and Tanner, you guys have a uh, podcast that talks about a lot of really cool theological topics. And you talk about apologetics and you talk about baptism and just all kinds of stuff movies and fun stuff um but you also talk on your show about like beer and wine and so are you guys like a bunch of drunks like uh you know doing a show and uh you're just a bunch of drunk guys that like are wine bibbers and love alcohol and you just happen to love jesus too what's up with that uh we are wine bibbers (laughs) (laughs) right right tanner uh, yeah, yeah. On occasion, I mean, like when you say bib, does that mean I get to use like my my Benny Hinn my, my Benny Hinn prayer shawl and like tuck it in my shirt so wine doesn't drip <laughs> Your on Benny it? Benny Hinn prayer shawl. Yeah. So talk is to that, us. Is that wine bit of is? Talk, talk to us about that because it'd be good for us to have a, like a bit of that discussion on Apology Radio. We've had shows where we talked about drugs and alcohol and addiction. Uh, I spent four years as a as a chaplain and a pastor at a at a recovery hospital, and so that's you know it's a. Subject near and dear to our hearts, Apologia Church started out of a drug and alcohol addiction center, and people came to Christ through that. So we have talked about that, but let's talk a little bit about the Reform Pubcast. You guys do a show, and you guys talk yeah. about alcohol and things like that. So what what's up with that? Yeah, so uh, basically, uh, we have a little a philosophy that, uh, that alcohol is good. Uh, it's actually good. Like it's, not, it's not even neutral. It's actually a good thing. It's something that God has given to his people. Um, to creation itself, and he's even specifically given it to his people uh, his, and his covenant people through uh, Old Testament uh, festivals, and um, specifically the Lord's Supper. Um, we are commanded actually to drink the substance. Um, so uh, we also see, like you know, the wedding at Cana. Uh, God, God is not ashamed that this substance exists, and uh, it's even enjoyed. And it's it brings joy to the hearts of, of people in general, and uh, specifically to God's people. So uh, uh, you'll, you'll also see throughout um, Reformed history that um, a lot of Reformation uh, uh, change happened when men would gather around and drink some beers and talk about doctrine. And uh, you know, people like Luther, uh, people Calvin was paid in wine. Um, so. Uh, I, I think um, 
there, there's, it's not an overstatement to say that to some degree the Reformation was fueled by, um, by, by beer and by wine. Uh, so we think it's a good thing, and uh, we've always enjoyed it. So we thought it would be a great idea to sit down, talk about theology, have a beer, uh, loosen up a little bit, have a little bit of fun, uh, and just, you know, as, as we talk about pop culture, as we talk about whatever random issue we're talking about, always bring it back to the gospel because we are reformed Christians and we want to talk about Jesus. So, uh, yeah, and it's, it's awesome. It's been, it's been pretty successful. It's, it's people like it. So, uh, we keep doing it. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, just a good resource for people who might be listening to this show for the first time and getting to know Les and Tanner from the reform Pubcast. Um, I, I think when you are diving into this subject, uh, it'd be good to search the scriptures front to back on it and, and really question tradition and to think critically about the issues. Uh, there's a great book written by a Presbyterian, uh, Kenneth Gentry. It's called, yeah, Imagine it's called God <laughs> Gave Wine. It's fantastic. Actually, you know, one of the, the, there was actually two messages that I got early on um, in my relationship with Christ um, when I was really struggling through this issue because I came out of drug and alcohol addiction. Uh, the two messages that I actually heard on alcohol and wine that convinced me that alcohol was not in itself sin and the substance wasn't sin it's what you do with it and you know that that makes it sin uh the two sermons one was from john MacArthur, uh believe it or not um and the other one was from dr walter martin and uh so those are how did the hold on you got to explain the john MacArthur. there's a message on wine he was talking about wine and he and i don't even i couldn't even point you to where it was i heard it on the radio one day and i was actually struggling through this issue at the time and i was praying through it and then the 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 show came on the radio, and so um, it was about wine, and and it convinced he five, me. He had a five part series. I, I listened to it. Uh, five parts where he broke down uh, essentially how a Christian. See, it, here's the weird thing about uh, that position, like that MacArthur takes, and a lot of people take after him, is he'll say he knows he can't say drinking wine is a sin, but he he does say a lot of things about how how unwise it is. And he'll say, like, Old Testament wine is nothing like the, or uh, biblical wine is nothing like the wine that we drink today. It was Which is completely false. Yeah, it was basically non-alcoholic. And all, he makes all these arguments and he, you know, I don't know, he has research to, to back it up. But uh, uh, ultimately, uh, he says at the end that it is unwise for a Christian to ever drink alcohol, mm. which... Um, so much for the Lord's see, Supper. Yeah, and, and so that's like the that's the weird thing. If if on one hand he wants to say it's not a sin because he knows that's that's legalism, straight legalism. You can't you know elevate your opinion above God's word. But then if you say that it's unwise for a Christian to ever drink it, what is it? What is it to do something that's unwise for a Christian to ever do? Hmm. If if I do something purposely that's unwise, I'm sinning, right? Mm-hmm. Like like it it really is. It's practical legalism. Um, and I love John MacArthur. Don't get me wrong. Like. He's he's an amazing teacher. He's taught me so much throughout the years. He's very wrong on this issue. Yeah, and it's he dangerously wrong. Yeah, and you know it's interesting too when you talk about like what was it? Um, well, it was not grape juice. Uh, it just was not. It, it wouldn't have kept. And there's so many different things we can talk about in terms of it not being grape juice. That's not what they used. But here's a good verse, just as an example. And there's so many verses to bring together from the right. Bible on this subject. But here's one from Isaiah 25, 6. It says, uh, The Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine, 
choice pieces with marrow and refined aged wine. What what is that? Yeah. yeah. Can I can I bring a verse in this discussion? You may. Okay. King Ginger. Deuteronomy fourteen twenty six. This is the one I've heard KJV onlyists try to argue themselves out <laughs> of, and I'll read it. I'll read it from the King James version because it has the best use actually, and it says. Uh, and thou shalt bestow that money for whatever thou lustest after, for oxen, or for sheep, or for wine, or for strong drink, or for whatever thy soul desires. And the and thou shalt eat there before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice thou and thine household. So in that verse, it's talking about using wine or strong yes. drink, which is you know more of a harder right. liquor uh, and stuff, in the presence of God mm-hmm. for mm. worship. Yeah. yeah. And I, so that that's a very strong passage that, I mean, how can you do anything? Why would you want to do anything unwise in the presence of God? Absolutely. And I, um, I, I know that uh, on the, the brief, the briefing recently, uh, Al Mohler talked about how, you know, letting your kids have a sip of alcohol when they're young leads to alcoholism and all this stuff. Uh, um, but I was just, yeah. I was just working <laughs> through, um, uh, again, the first, the first few chapters of John with my kids. We finished the book. We went back to the beginning. Um, and we focused in on that, uh, the wedding at Cana, when uh, in those jars were holding hundreds of gallons of wine, of water, and Jesus turned it into wine. And, like, ha- you can't just skip over these things. you got to talk about the content with your children in family worship. And I'm telling them, like, you know, uh, he made the best wine. Uh, the, the host was actually surprised, shocked at the fact that normally you wait until the people uh, have been quote-unquote inebriated to the point where they can't even tell the difference anymore but the host was like oh but you waited until that point and then you brought out the best wine so he's actually surprised by it so i mean am i encouraging my kids to drink alcohol well am i encouraging my kids to responsibly uh enjoy a blessing from god i'm not ashamed of that and and obviously not right now not at the age they're at at the moment but uh to understand responsibly how this thing should be uh should be enjoyed Right. Um, I, it's and and I think here's the thing. I think that uh, alcohol gives Christians a great uh, opportunity to practice self control, to practice restraint, mm. to practice enjoying something in a res- to to the point uh, that you're still doing it responsibly and not crossing a line. Um, if if abstinence is all we're called to, then we never we never get to practice self control. And uh, actually, like, knowing our limits, that's a good thing to, to be able to practice as a Christian and to show the world. The yeah, world just see, know our limits, and we know when to stop. That's a good it's thing. It's just one more thing that we partake in that we're called to partake in and also be holy. Um, I think that, you know, Les, like we, Les and I talked about this early on uh, when we started this podcast, is that um, even the effects of alcohol are a blessing from the Lord. Um, and, and, but that's to a certain extent. Um, I mean, I, I, um, Les and I started this podcast cause we would get together and we would have a few craft beers and we would loosen up a little bit and get real with each other and become a little vulnerable and talk about things we might be struggling with, um, things in our life that, you know, probably two guys trying to be tough might not open up about. Um, and so in, in that context, uh, alcohol and the effects of it were a blessing to us and they were a blessing in uh, us uh, getting together and, and talking about sin and, and, and uh, 
holding each other accountable to things. And so these things in and of themselves don't, they're, they're not defined as being sinful, but we know that scripture is very clear about not being a drunkard, not being ruled by drunkenness, not, uh, you know, like anything. I mean, it, it's no different than if you were ruled by hamburgers and all you did was eat hamburgers and that's all you cared about. And your body went to, you know, to crap and you just, you know, you, you got heart disease and you died because you didn't take care of yourself. I think it's the exact same thing. Um, I think things, it's wrong. I think it's wrong. I that's think it's why you should be. I think it's wrong that you're talking about Luke this way with him not here. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. Like I'm only saying that because he's going to hear this. I like to report like when shots have been fired. <laughs> no, it's interesting. Sorry, too. Tanner, go ahead. Finish what you're saying. Sorry. Oh, I, yeah, I just think that I think that people and I understand like there has to be a sensitivity to these things because I realize that alcohol uh, the effects of it and people worshiping it and 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 just being ruled by it tears families apart. It people get violent. Uh, mm. They drive and they kill people. So I understand that you, most of the time, I, I'm I'm sure there's some somewhere documented somebody was eating a hamburger and killed somebody. But I understand that it's different than a hamburger in that sense. That the effects of alcohol have uh, in society we've seen more hurt come from the effects of alcohol. But um, I think that that's an emotional argument. And I think that we need to focus on um, how how God has commanded us to use it mm-hmm. uh, and how to and how he's commanded us to use it in a holy way that mm-hmm. brings him glory. Yeah. Um, and especially the fact that it's a part of our worship uh, that alone should tell us that this is something that can be partaken in and bring glory to God. Um, and the fact that we have completely uh gone you know we've we've responded to uh we responded to an overuse of it and negative effects of it and gone and overcorrected so far to the other way that we've removed it from worship which is you know something that's explicitly commanded so um i I think that we we just i think i think these things are worth thinking about and in no in no way are you absolutely required to sit down and have a beer um, but I don't think that it's that it's biblical to, you know, say that it's wrong for any Christian to do so. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's something we try to tackle early on in our podcast. And I think that as we've gone on, it's become less of an issue because we've talked about it so much. But um, it's definitely something that, you know, when we first came out and said, you know, the effects of alcohol are a blessing. Uh, when you say something like that, people uh, you, you definitely get a lot of lash, you know, a lot of lashback for that. Um, but again, it's context and, and what do we mean by that? And, um, and what we mean by that is that the effects when they bring glory to God are a blessing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting too, because uh, when I had to address this issue early on in the life of Apologia Church, we had a church of all ex-addicts, people that had come out of drug and alcohol addiction, I mean, addiction to heroin, addiction to uh, vodka, addiction to beer, and it was interesting because I wasn't teaching abstinence as um, as a pastor of a church with a bunch of people that are, had come to Christ out of addiction. I was teaching the context of what addiction really is. It's idolatry. I would try to stress to people, you don't have a drug and alcohol problem. You have a worship problem. It's, it's a problem of switching God for an idol. It's, it's a problem of treasuring something above Jesus. It's a problem of going to something for what only God can give you, and whether that is peace, whether that is joy, whether it is pleasure, 
and it could be it could be anything. It doesn't have to be the wine. It doesn't have to be the beer. It doesn't have to be the oxycontin. It didn't have to be the Percocet. It can be. Um, I am really lonely right now. So rather than going to God for intimacy and for pleasure and joy, I'm going to go to this person. This person becomes my place of intimacy rather than God. And so it's a, that's an exchange right there. And that's a default position of humanity in the fall. Romans chapter one is we switch God for idols. That's our default position. John Calvin said that the human heart is an idol making factory and it is never idle in making idols. And so that's what, we, that's what we do. We create idols. We worship those in place of God. And so it could be anything. It could be donuts. It could be sex. It could be a person. It could be video games. It could be wine. Mm-hmm. It could be beer, heroin, whatever. It's just false worship. It's just an exchange of God for something else. So what it would be wrong to do as a Christian is to say, well, there's a lot of people that really sin well with this thing. So the thing must be bad. So I'm going to stop doing that. Well, then stop having sex. Right. Yeah. You know, the married people stop, stop doing that because people sin every single day a lot mm. with sex. It's a really good thing that God gave us for his glory and our joy. And we, prov- we, twist it and we make it perverse and dark and dirty and ugly and so what we have to say is no god gave it to us as a gift for his glory so use it in the right context and so i say look jesus his first miracle was turning uh water into wine and that was not grape juice it was it was wine and uh, they would have seen and jesus would have said to anybody who got drunk there this is a sin Mm -hmm. um he would have condemned anybody who would have gotten drunk off of that wine it was their responsibility before god not to get drunk it would have been seen by jesus as a sin if somebody did that with the wine that he made but he still made wine mm-hmm. and he still made it for their joy and of course we've already said this in the the lord's the lord's table he gives to us this cup and it's wine he tells us to do that as part of our worship of him and so what people often do is they'll say something like this well look i don't want to sin with it i want to keep myself holy i want to keep myself righteous so there's a sense of piety and, and, and not drinking wine or something like that. So people will say like, well, I'm going to keep myself unstained from it, right? So what I have to say to that is, so you're going to have a higher standard with alcohol than Jesus? Exactly. Because that's what we're really saying is if you say, well, I'm not going to stain myself with this substance or be stained by it, I'm going to have a, a high standard regarding it. I would say, okay, you might have a personal reason for that that goes beyond, and you're not condemning others for it. Okay, okay, maybe you have a particular struggle with it, but if you're just saying, like, I think it'll keep me in some way more righteous, I would say, what about Jesus? Are you more like more righteous than him? Right. Exactly. Because yeah. he told people, just, right, and the real last thing I'm going to say, what, what did he, didn't he say to people, like, John the Baptist came, like, not drinking, but I've come eating and drinking, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. And you call me a what? They were like condemning him for doing what? For not drinking? He drank. And they were actually using it to insult him. Yeah. So did Jesus, watch, watch, this is important too. Did Jesus stop drinking wine because other people were lying about him with what he was doing with it? He continued to drink wine. Obviously, he gave us the Lord's Supper, right? And so Jesus uh, didn't, I I think, even have the standard that some Christians have today where they go, I don't want to cause somebody else to stumble. So I'm not going to drink it. Well, Jesus actually drank wine in such a way that people actually maliciously lied about him and said he was doing evil things with it. He wasn't. Mm. But it didn't stop Jesus from actually enjoying what the Father had given as a gift. What actually he had given as a gift. Gary? Yeah, Yeah, so in the context of people um, talking about 
misuse having good intentions and maybe seeing the abuse of something and trying to fix and address and address that in regards to Christian worship. Um, for those of you guys who are listening, you may be familiar with Welch's grape juice. So for those of you who may not know, Welch's grape juice was actually founded by a man named Thomas Ramwell Welch. And Jeff, I'm going to show you a picture of him. Is that not an amazing, wow, glorious, that that's like, that would make that's Gandalf. Yeah. That beer would make Gandalf blush. Wow. Like that's incredible, right? Yeah. So his biography, so he lived in New York in the 1800s, and around that time, I'm just on the Wikipedia, and a disclaimer, Wikipedia isn't always true. So, you know, just take this with a grain of salt, but he was part of a Wesleyan Methodist denomination, and his environment that he was around, there was a lot of the selling, uh, using of of just intoxicating liquors, and that was also connected with the slave trade at the time that he was opposed to. And so because of that, he saw a lot of the abuses that alcohol was doing. And so therefore, he really was diametrically opposed to using alcohol because he saw the abuse of it in the Lord's Supper. So he eventually got to a point where he was not able to just do ministry. I think it had to do with his voice. But he ended up starting uh, grapes, but fermenting in them in such a way to where they were not alcoholic, specifically for the fact that churches in his area could participate in the Lord's Supper in such a way that it was not alcoholic because he just had, like I said, he just saw all the negative connotations of how people were abusing it as such. Yeah. And then he ended up doing that. So that's, and it's interesting, it's just interesting too, because as much as like we have friends and brothers and sisters who probably disagree us today, the ability for us to use wine in our communion, and they're you probably using well they may be using Welch's grape juice in their communion service, mm. which is actually connected. It goes all the way back to this minister with this amazing beard back in the eighteen hundreds who had this same view. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. I'm very, I'm very happy to announce that uh Apologia Church does not use grape no. juice. Really? We just we just made well, that transition. And here's, and here's why this is interesting too, is I this I gotta be I'll just be transparent with this. It's been a struggle for me for the last six years. Um, I have really struggled with the fact that we had been using grape juice, and I want to say why. We were in a particular situation where we wanted to do communion every single Sunday, um, and we wanted that uh, time with God. We wanted to do that beautiful thing and beautiful part of worship, but we were actually, for the first um, six, eight months or so, we were meeting um because we're a church plant out of a drug rehab we were meeting at the rehab in the family building and we were not allowed to bring wine on the campus and um it was just a it was difficult like when we had to go to grape juice for communion it really bothered me a lot and i had i gotta be honest for the last six years i've had a lot of very very deep like struggles with the fact that we had been using grape juice. And so we never really made the transition. And so uh, uh, recently we made the transition because it's commanded. I believe Jesus gave us wine. We need to use what he commanded. And so we did. Mm. And so we're there now. But it's interesting, too, because, you know, I have to deal with as a minister now with the hearts of my people that I am, I'm, I'm called to, to shepherd and care for. And so there's, you know, people that come from a particular tradition, Baptist tradition, typically, of using grape juice and not wine in communion. And I've had to deal with them over the last couple of weeks and trying to help them work through these struggles. And uh, one of the main arguments people have said, um, and uh, it's it's gone over great at Apologia, by the way, but just people have, have said... In fact, in fact, the first week, we actually had the grape yeah, juice Yeah, just so still, people can, we we can ease people side. into the situation. Just and, to, 
And the, and the line for the wine side was wrapped yes. around <laughs> the service. Because <laughs> like, yeah. what's, um, what's actually just real quick, what's actually really funny is that so the, there's a really close uh, a friend of mine who was part of she was part of Apologia Church like when it first started, and she came from that background of you know coming from the recovery center that you were a, a part of, and so all of a sudden it was like I forgot to tell her because she hadn't been at church in a while, um, and so she came back and the, and then um, she's going up to take communion. I'm like, shoot, she doesn't know. Like, and all of a sudden, like, she realizes, like, right as she gets up there, that now there's two, and she kind of gets the hint, but she's, like, not sure of, like, which one. <laughs> so it was, like, it was almost like watching, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where it's, like, standing there, kind of, like, do I switch? Yeah. You know, the sandbag with it, with it, get that <laughs> nice. thing, and it's, like, do I kind of, like, which one do I do? Like, yeah. I gotta make this quick decision. Oh, wow. So it was funny. So, uh, just briefly, I was, and, and, end but then we're gonna go, we're gonna go to break here in a second here, guys. Um, this was the the struggle maybe this is some other people's struggle so hopefully this will help um a beautiful woman sister in christ said to me this past weekend she said but she said there are so many people who have had struggles with alcohol and have used it in the past to get drunk and they you know it's in their past now isn't this going to be a temptation for them to sin and so what i said to her is i said do you think that in the in the first century when jesus made that wine and do you think when he gave us the Lord's Supper, do you think that there were people who had abused alcohol in that society and in those communities? And she was like, yes. And did that stop Jesus from giving wine? Didn't, didn't oh, stop Jesus from right. giving wine just because some people have struggled with it or sinned with it. Because the sanctification process is about us. It's about it's about me before God. Uh, to take it a step further, um, I, I would even say, and 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 I, I think less for this because less kind of challenged me on this because I I kind of had the same argument at one point, even even with uh, you know the argument that alcohol is completely fine for the Christian to partake in, but the argument that well we should offer grape juice for those who are going through addiction problems and stuff like that, and 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 less helped me realize that a lot of that was coming from just. Uh, not a biblical worldview, but from a worldview that, you know, just being in medicine and seeing a lot of addiction, seeing a lot of people with psych problems and stuff like that. And uh, something that Les actually said to me that now I I realize is, is just a great thought is that if someone is struggling with uh, going out and, and just going on a drinking binge after having a thimble of wine juice at communion, yeah. it's it's probably safe to say that they probably shouldn't be taking communion if alcohol has that much control over their life in that current point in time. Um, there's, a, there's a serious sin issue going on there and that they need to repent of and, uh, and, and sit down with their elders about and work through um, because that, I mean, that's a huge problem. I mean, mm-hmm. if a thimble of wine... Is is pushing you over the edge? Uh, that there's something there's there's a, there's a heart problem there for sure. And, and if I can make one last thought on on this, uh, as far as communion goes, um, if if people are concerned about an ex alcoholic who's um, who's going to stumble because they're going to have this this drink of of wine, uh, I I flip it just completely the other way and say, no, what a glorious blessing it is to see a glorified way to use this substance instead of the evil way to use it. You're actually, you're actually showing them that this substance can be used to honor God instead of dishonoring God. So now you're redeeming it. Yeah, exactly. You're redeeming it. You're taking the thing that once, that once led you into sin and instead leads you into worship. Mm. That's amazing. Don't, Don't keep that from people. Don't make them afraid of that. 
encourage the use in the God honoring way, because that's exactly what Jesus told us to do. Yeah. And we're going to go to break here. But I want to say that there's a lot of social sort of um, stuff connected to this. And this is which is why we think the way that we do about it is not so much the hard, fast, biblical facts about it, but it's the social stuff surrounding it. Like for, for example, we've said it a few times on the show today, um, or uh, the term alcoholic is actually a new term in, in history. Um, it's a new term in our, own, in our own language, in the English language. It was coined fairly recently. Alcoholic is, is a new one, and there's a lot of um, definitions that go with alcoholic that are antithetical to the biblical worldview. A lot of people today in recovery think once an addict, you're always an addict. You're never not an addict. It's the brain disease of addiction. You're an alcoholic. And so you're never not that. Whereas the Christian worldview would say that when Jesus redeems you, you're a new creation. Your identity isn't mm-hmm. locked up in what you once Amen. were. You are now a new creation in Jesus, identified with Jesus Christ, not an addict forever, but now redeemed, forgiven, washed, cleansed and uh, that's not your identity so the bible uses i think terminology that is more effective for us in terms of how we actually get through um these uh struggles with sin the bible calls it drunkenness like before if you abused uh, alcohol uh wine beer whatever strong drink you weren't an alcoholic you were a drunk you're a drunkard you're a drunkard And You're practicing uh, sin. You yeah, I think exactly. Sin. We if we get back as a Christian church to the right terminology, to the biblical terminology, we can address these issues with alcohol. I think um, in a more effective way. When we say we use the world's terminology like alcoholic, I know what we all mean by it. We we're all saying the same thing. We know what we mean by it as Christians, but even that word itself was coined uh, not by Christians. It has a particular meaning and definition and connotation to it. And uh, we should do what the Bible does. Call it drunkenness, call it sin. And remember, the Bible actually puts drunkenness uh, next to a list of sins like murder. And uh, we should take that very seriously. So the Bible says it's a blessing, it's a gift, and uh, it's right next to murder. Mm. And so let's be real with it. Uh, But let's let's also enjoy it. I love me a good Cabernet. Mm. Napa Valley is my favorite. <laughs> Merlot. 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 Mm. Robert Goulet. Robert Goulet. Do you want to have the wine croon? <laughs> I'll be right back, guys. Apologia Radio and the Reform Pubcast. It's the Reform Pubcast. There it is. What's up, y'all? This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio at ApologiaRadio.com. Want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with Whitfield Theological Seminary. I want you to run over to whitfield.edu, whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond. I, I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes, the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered to. I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend, Dr. Kenneth Talbot, and start your classes today. ApologiaRadio.com. Hi, I'm Les. And I'm Tanner. And we're the hosts of the Reformed Pubcast. A weekly podcast where two friends get together and talk about the things that they love. It's like all those times you talked about theology over a pint of beer with your friends, but we're just dumb enough to record it. 
It's a theology of Calvin and the thirst of Luther. Join in on the conversation by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. It's the Reformed Pubcast. I don't even know what to think about it. Right. I like it, though. Yeah. Luke's like not it. here, so you just play whatever you want. Yeah. That's right. I've, we've already had that conversation. Oh, really? Yes. I do want metal. Joy showed up in I'd the be studio. Okay metal, too. You want some metal? Yeah. I'll give totally you some metal. That. I'll give you some metal next one. Next round. Round two. When oh, I come my back. gosh. I'm so excited to see what my you think metal, metal is. is. <laughs> Are you going to play Jewel for us? Jewel? Like the middle mm. Is metal. it Jewel? <laughs> Slaw, Joy. Slaw. Oh, wow. All right, so we are back. Let's talk about some uh, some fun stuff in the news. Uh, Jerry, bring us into this discussion. Something kind of cool happened. We actually, it's so funny because the last episode of Apologia Radio, we played, I think, well, okay, one DC Talk song. I wish we'd all been ready. I wish we'd all yeah. been ready. We've just <laughs> been talking about DC Talk, and all of a sudden, DC Talk reemerged. Yeah, reemerged in a very very interesting way. You know, do you need to say reemerged? You just say emerged. Emerged. Yeah, reemerged. Like he got right. up and down. Is well, that like like a two? <laughs> okay. Emerged. Well, they went away. Right. They So yeah, I think reemerged is Is that it's works. fine? Okay. Yeah, so thank you. Basically, DC talked about 16 years ago. They they kind of went their own separate <laughs> just ways. About 16 years. Just ago. about yeah. 16. <laughs> <laughs> and um all about the facts. <laughs> They, <laughs> hey guys, sixteen years ago. <laughs> sixteen years ago, they um their last album was actually called Inter was called uh, Intermission, and it was called and it was just a compilation of DC Talk's greatest hits. And they kind of went at this. So the album kind of hinted the fact that they are just taking a break. This is you know this is our greatest song. We love you guys and stuff. But there's always kind of this unspoken word like eventually they're going to come back, right? And so about three weeks ago, I saw. All of a sudden, my Facebook feed was blowing up, and yes. it was, with with what DC Talk stuff, DC Talk, and all it was is that DC Talk the update of their cover photo. Did they pop up and say, "Sorry, dude." <laughs> <laughs> no, it was 2017, and that's all it said. It's 27, saw dude. So, like, <laughs> so of course, and it, it was done. The art, just the way the artwork was, it, it was just it was like this is going to be a new album, new album in a tour. That's typically the model of like this type of promotion so they start doing all these things and it says they update their profile picture of them like all together like a Dang. recent recent photo Excited. <laughs> yeah and so <laughs> everyone's like everyone's like free like i'm the i was i've he was crying no i was Were you crying jerry i was giddy okay. i was very i was giddy like a schoolgirl. girl eyed i was there was some there was some feels. I was like, man, because it was like when I first got saved, like DC Talk was like my thing. Like, hey, you. When I was wearing my um, CK, aren't Jesus. you supposed to be playing DC Talk background music now and not this? I'm gonna. No, I have it ready. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't you like, supposed to never be playing this? I have it ready. I'll, I'll, I'll go ever. I'll, I'll go ahead. Never I'll, play this. I'll, I'll, I'll go. It's like I'm in an elevator <laughs> in a casino. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Here we go. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we're at a rave at a casino. All right with me, Jesus is still all right. Oh yeah, Jesus is still all right with me. Man, it's taking me back. All right, um, it took me back to like 04. You happy, Marcus? That's all for you right there. I am. I'll leave right. you in the back. 
So everything, like everyone's thinking new album, new tour, and I'm looking at people are commenting, just like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And it's like, they didn't even pay attention to like, are they even looking at the comments of how people are taking this? People are talking about, dude, we're going to have like a high school reunion of back when we listened to all listen to DC talk. And now we're going to get our families and our kids to experience what we experienced. Right. So that that's completely the vibe. So I think it was yesterday they released their trailer for the final announcement. So everyone's kind of like uh, the move, the Steve Jobs movie that came out, like when they do the convention where everyone's like pound, like stomping on the ground and just like, boom, 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 like this hype and anticipation. So the trailer, if you guys want, if you go to DC Talks uh, Facebook fan page, this starts off and immediately it's like all these clips of them when they're well, like, let me go ahead and play it. I'll, okay. let's, let's go ahead and play. Is it going to be good for radio? Like, I mean, yeah, he, he, okay. it's good because people get the idea of. Okay, okay. All right, here we There's go. There's some excitement to it. Oh, <gasps> what? It's been 16 years. I'm gonna read it. Totally feels like a like a oh comeback tour. Right. It's got people at a concert. Yeah, I would have totally thought it's a concert. Just for the record, on stage. For the record, with your commentary, without your commentary, this is not good for radio. I know. I know. Yes. yes. I was <laughs> going to hey, say it hey. probably wasn't. Jerry told me to the, to to play it. Right. Okay. So at the very end, watch. what happens? <laughs> Just watch. What does okay. it say? In 2017, people can't watch it's radio. I know. <laughs> this is not good. Ends. The intermission ends. Three, two, one. It's even showing footage of like a concert hall and dates. Is this really the ad? Watch. DC Talk. Whoa, Jesus Free Cruise? What? Yeah. <laughs> July 1st, 11th through the 15th. What? So every single per like people were devastated because it, like the whole trailer, it's like. It looks like a concert. Finally, like this is it. Like I get to share the joys of my Christian like buddies. And when I got saved with like my kids or whatever, and just like relive the old times, it's like your favorite band of all time has been off for like 20 years doing a reunion tour. You can tell Jerry, this really I got know. Jerry yeah, in the field. Right really here. Got I got Jerry. Jerry. I got, He's I, upset. Is there a court case coming, Jerry? <laughs> no, no check it out. So yeah. the, the amount of people that can fit on that cruise ship, minus that number from the total population of the world. And that's a number of people that that DC Talk just did a favor for. <laughs> yeah. And you know what's even worse about that? When you're on a cruise ship, there's zero social media and internet. So, yeah. so there's like no, people can't even talk about it. Yeah, and there's, until no, there's, later. No way, there's no way to live stream it. And so, man, it would, so just the, the, that's the complete, like, not like backlash. People are seriously just saying, I'm. I can't believe you got to be kidding me. Well, like, here, this, okay, this, this throw, it's basically it's like a bad April Fool's joke. Well, where like imagine like I you love like where say, people's I love, hearts get broken. Yes, yeah. like, I love donuts. <laughs> like I love donuts, and I have not I have not eaten donuts in 16 years. What? And finally, Joy in our like brings me two cases of Krispy Kremes, <laughs> and I open it up, and it's a veggie tray. This really affected Jerry. <laughs> it I'm seriously did. It. Yeah, this is the second you just compared the, the deliciousness <laughs> of donuts to DC Talk. <laughs> DC right. Talk. Right. Man. So, wow. <laughs> but it, well, the funny thing is, is that people are, the, the internet is an amazing place. Uh, in most of the internet, uh, some of the internet, I guess you could say. 
So just the creative memes and responses that people are making. Uh, Marcus, even like the one that you made was amazing too. Yes. There, you, what you, you can, make? Uh, all they could, you'll pull up the quote, but one, while well, Marcus is pulling another it up, thing that doesn't translate well to radio. Excuse yeah. me. <laughs> 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 some of the puns. It was a picture of an old couple playing shuffleboard, or had, they had like a lifesaver or something on a cruise ship, and the old couple, and then there was a meme that said, Jesus freaks. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's one in particular that was like a pun. It said like if the ship capsizes like mid cruise, does the captain go down with a DC talk? Mm-hmm. Based off of the song, so it's kind of an inside pun. Are you down with the DC talk? Are you down with the DC talk? And, pe- and so people are joking like the very last, their last album prior to the inter- intermission, it was um, was Supernatural. And, and the very last song in Supernatural is actually just more of like a poem because Kevin Max, um, it, he was like a bit, he was really heavily into poetry. So he shared this uh, poem at the very end of the last album called A Treason at Sea. And so people were joking like that was like a prophetic uh, thing of like them committing treason against all their fans at sea at this cruise. Um, I saw a meme just, I, I pulled up on Instagram. There's a meme that said, um, it showed like a bunch of people on a refugee boat. And it basically used to like DC, like a bunch of fans are like like coming together to like spy on like to go after the cruise so they can like try and watch the concert from this refugee boat. So okay, here, well let's be fair to DC Talk for a second here though. It, it, is there going to be a concert involved here on yeah. on the Oak? Well then okay, yeah. I mean I'm sure yeah. All right, I mean yeah, it's and not the greatest thing, but at least they're going to be playing. One percent. I, th- I mean I think that it's probably content for the 1% of the Jesus freaks that are left. God bless them. God but bless them. honestly, em. wouldn't, if you were trying to advertise something as silly as a cruise, yeah. wouldn't you make it look like a new album hey, and wait, tour? Joy, we actually and have then, a plan like, for an apology pull everybody in. Year. <laughs> <laughs> is there any... I'm pretty, is there any financial uh, advantage to just just having a limited amount of people coming to your concert on a cruise? No. Wouldn't you make way more money if you did like a real cruise? A, a real, real tour? Yeah, I guess yeah. A real and, tour, yeah. And even now, it's like they're, I think this particular cruise, there's only 400 cabins. And so there's probably going to be a lot <sighs> of people that are going to try and book. And because this is a thing where people probably, the servers will get crashed, like kind of like when the, when the, uh, when the tickets went on sale for the force, the pre-sale for the Force Awakens, like I think Harkins. You, now you're comparing DC Talk to yeah, Star no. Wars. We have to stop this. <laughs> I'm sure that the, donuts. The, the I'm okay with. Wait, yeah, but look, like, there's going to be people who are like now, even people who want to go on the cruise who can't go on the cruise. Mm. Jerry's hurt. So DC Talk <laughs> needs to apologize. Messed him up. DC Talk. They were all getting together, like their families and stuff, over Thanksgiving or something, and. One of them was like, man, you know what? I've never been on a cruise before. And the other one was like, oh, me neither. And they're like... That was Toby. Yeah, there you go. And they were like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What if we just did a comeback tour, but we did it on a cruise, then we could all go on a cruise for, for free, free for and free. actually make money doing it? Yes. Yep. Genius. That's yep. how that went down. That's a genius <laughs> idea right there. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of events, we're, we're throwing an event... It's not going to be on a, a cruise. Boat. Nope. Yeah. Apologize. <laughs> it's going to be on a beach it's with gonna, no water. It's going to be the opposite of water. It's going to be desert. Yeah, we're going to be heavily promoting it, but given what happened with DC Talk, and I am in the process of healing. I was listening to, I was listening to a couple of their music today. 
kind of in the process of like, you know, I'm, I'm in some like very deep, I'm working very hard, making sure my heart's in the right place, you know, taking into account what scripture says about reconciliation. Okay. And, and you know, <laughs> forgive those, Christ has forgven you. So okay, okay. Very, at the you end of the day, like God, God's working, God's <laughs> working through it and he's sanctifying me in this process. Okay, so good, good. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. But we, we, do, we do intend on being very forthright with people about ReformCon, about all the awesomeness that they're going to experience. And in fact... We're going to. There's going to be a lot of people coming, but we're working. We're actually are going to make it very awesome for the people who can't come. So, is that something you want to kind of like tell people about? Yeah. Like the, the enhancements yes. we're making with ReformCon for those who cannot afford uh, plane tickets, or maybe are just in a position to where they can't afford to come out here. Yep, ReformCon uh, is June 1st through 4th. So, if you haven't heard us talk about it before, we're going to tell you about it right now. June 1st through 4th. Uh, it is uh, going to be an amazing conference, convention situation. We're going to have uh, a lot of fun. The focus of ReformCon is to defend and herald the truths of the Reformation, the pillars of the Reformation. So when we talk about the solas, Scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. We're going to talk about the doctrines of grace some. And uh, so the goal is to is to herald those truths, to bring those truths back to our communities and to teach them and to proclaim them and to use and to, to learn how to use every means um, that God has given to us to do so. And so when we talk about blogging, we talk about filmmaking and uh, all those uh, social media things, all that stuff, writing. And um, uh, we're going to try to teach people how to do those things to the glory of Christ and uh, it's going to start June 1st through 4th. We're going to have Dr. James White. Uh, he's going to come and he's going to be teaching. We have three sessions with Dr. James White, uh, John Sampson, Dr. Scott Oliphant, myself, Marcus Pittman, uh, Luke Pearson is going to teach. We're also going to have uh, Darren Doan, the filmmaker of Collision and the movie um, Free, Speech, Free Speech Apocalypse and some other things actually that are coming out pretty soon. And we're also going to have Nate Wilson, amazing, amazing author. Uh, new book just came out. It is called, oh, just lost it. He has 100 cupboards, and he has Miracle, Outlaws of Time. Outlaws of Time, The Miracle of Sam Miracle. That's right. Some Sam Miracle. That's right. Sam Outlaws Sam of Time Miracle, came out. Miracle. It was actually, I saw it when I, on Amazon before it actually released. It was a bestseller on Amazon before it was even uh, available. So <laughs> it was just fantastic. And uh, so we're going to have just great stuff going on. Reform Pubcast. Apologia Radio teaming up. Les and Tanner are coming. We're going to do uh, two live shows. Uh, the Reform Pubcast is going to have a live show, and we're going to have a live show. There's going to be a lot of games, a lot of fun, and the focus of it really also on on um, uh, on site. If uh, if you're actually coming to ReformCon, uh, June first through fourth is going to be really an emphasis on the fellowship and being together and engaging with the speakers, being able to you know reach out and to ask questions, and so that's kind of the focus. What's going to make this different? Also, you can come dressed up like a Darth Vader Pope, and that's totally cool. That'd be like, pretty cool. We let that happen. And uh, we're actually going to have a competition where you can come dressed up in a costume and, re- and you can win prizes. And like a photo booth thing. That's right. Well, I think the Pope's more like Darth Sidious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Emperor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Just actually saying. thinking about coming up dressed as Steven Anderson. Yeah, oh, that I'm would actually to put work. That, together. that would actually work. Um, but we're going to have a. And people we just, can actually tase me. I actually have like a friend who's going to be dressed up as a border guard and he's going to tase me just for fun. Don't it, tase it'll be, me, it'll, bro. It'll be, it'll be kind of like a cool prop. Just kind of bring him back 
you know, the good old times with Steven. That's awesome. The good old times. <laughs> the the yep. Steven we like. That's right. Steven we like. <laughs> so what That could we, be a song. It's the Steven we like. What we've decided to do to bless everybody and to make this available to people who couldn't make it out to Tempe... June 1st through 4th. If you couldn't get tickets, um, you will be able to participate. What's up? What? Oh, just what Jerry said. He's making me cry. I'm, I'm okay. just laughing crying. over here. Honey Bridger is, is, is crying. Okay. Is, is your finger okay? Is your finger okay, Honey Bridger? Is your finger okay? Honey Bridger. My digit's still missing. I'm still good. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, it kills me. Um, so uh, if you guys aren't able to make it out, you will be able to watch the conference. And so the way that you're going to be able to do that is if you go to reformcon.org, there's going to be a special, there's a special sign up. By the time this podcast gets out, there'll be a special sign up there and you can sign up for the live stream and you'll be able to watch all of the main stage sessions, including the Q and A's and all the interaction. So you will be able to actually live stream ReformCon. It's only $19.95 if you do it before the week of ReformCon. $19.95, you get the entire live stream, and you get a free month of Apologia All Access. And so, nifty gifties. Wow. You get swag even by not showing up. So you get the live stream, you get a free month of Apologia All Access, and guess what? All the all the the funds that are made from ReformCon go to planting Apologia Church, Kauai. So you're going to be a part of helping to plant a church on the island of Kauai, a Reformed church in the island of Kauai. So that's where all the funds are going from ReformCon. And uh, if you are already all access, if you already participate with us in ministry, and you guys um, have the all access, then this is really cool. We're in about three months or so after the event. We're going to release all of the footage and the breakout sessions um, for all of our All Access subscribers. It's all part of what you guys get anyways, and so that's going to be released to everybody. It'll be on our All Access, and so it's pretty sweet. And so what you guys can do is go to reformcon.org, sign up for your live stream. If you're not coming out, you get to get all the content, and you get a free month of All Access and you bless um, our ability to plant a church yeah. on the island of Kauai. Pretty sweet stuff. I'm I'm excited for it. I mean, I'm I'm helping out a lot just with the production and and kind of getting the event together. And it's just I'm excited for those of you guys who are going to come just because if you ever watch any of the like the VH1 unplugged kind of concerts where it's very close, it's not like a huge Lollapalooza, but it's very close and and just intimate where people are kind of like sharing things and you'll get to kind of ask questions where that's the environment that we're having, but we're in the process of uh, producing it to where even the live stream, you're going to be almost, it'll be as if you're not just watching it, but as if you're there and are able to interact with the speakers, ask them questions and be, be there as part of this unplugged setting. Yes. So we're excited. Very excited. excited Very excited. It's coming so, so soon. Wow. Um, All right. Les and Tanner, you guys are coming. Yeah. You guys excited? I think I think the thing I'm the most excited about is actually meeting all of you guys. Yeah, that uh, that I listen to every week, and I've you know we've had you guys on the show, and uh, it'll be, just be great to see you guys. Um, we I get to meet Scott Oliphant. I know, uh, I right? Um, yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> uh, so one question I have though, yeah. uh, I mean we live in South Florida. It's gets it pretty hot here, but what's the weather like in June in Arizona? It's a dry heat. Oh. 
Oh, don't don't let, don't let anybody ever tell you like it's a dry heat. Okay. I mean, it's awful. Was <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. a blow but dryer? Have you been to Florida in the summer though? Because it's it's kind of bad too. Yeah, Man. yeah, I know, I know. Because it's sticky, it's and, so wet. Yeah, yeah. I like. I mean, I think I like the heat. Obviously, it's hot. Yeah, but you don't want to. Born and raised here, though. Yeah, I yeah. was. Yeah, but I mean, you may not want to like spend all day outside without water. Yeah, but if you like bring a gallon jug you, with you, you don't and want dress to spend five minutes outside without water. Yeah, right. Water. It, but it, that's it, what yeah. everyone does. Everyone's like, "Oh, it's so hot. I I'd hate this place." And I'm like, "How much water have you drank today?" And they're yeah. like, "Well, I drank five cokes." Yeah. <laughs> like, no wonder you're miserable. Yeah. Your body is screaming okay. for help. I gotta <laughs> I gotta bring out something about Marcus. So about a couple months ago. I got an invite from you, and it said you have this idea of a reform con for the people here to go play Ultimate Frisbee. Like no, 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 I did, not, I did not have this idea. I like this I idea. I got it from you, though. I, I know, like, but that doesn't that. sound like... Because it was and I was like, Marcus, do you not love your neighbor? No, it, was, it was Thad and Summer. It was Thad and Summer's oh idea. That's evil. Summer, like, Summer White, would, Dr. White's daughter, who's now, now Summer Pinch, it was Summer her Pinch. idea. It was her idea with her husband to do... I think uh, the Frisbee outside and they're crazy. Wait, wait. Is Dr. White going to play Ultimate Frisbee? Because I'll I destroy him. Highly doubt, <laughs> no, I highly yeah, doubt that. I don't that. think you would. That was yeah. a call out but to Dr. White. the idea was like, we're going to have a reform con, so peop- we're going to bring people from out of state who are not even used to this environment of June, when it's like a, a pinnacle peak. Well, actually, I think August is pinnacle peak of when it gets the worst, when it's like, why do I even uh, live here? But we're going to bring people here and we're going to play and they're going to have frisbee. fun oh how oh, horrible we're, we're going to play ultimate frisbee <laughs> when it's like 110 degrees just be near a pool it'll be okay well okay so he asked the question how hot is it going to be oh. and june 1st through 4th is not going to be that treacherous i'd say it's definitely going to be like 105 right. or above <laughs> um here we are like so, actually scaring people away say, we're trying let to let me just say it. my first time my first year in arizona i had a pickup truck with no air conditioning because it came yeah. from washington dc and uh, it was it was insane. It was I was here in the summertime. It was out of this world hot. I had long hair at the time, like in a ponytail, and I would drive the windows down, and the hot <laughs> air would blow into the car and take my ponytail out. And I came out of the car with like an afro because it sucked all the moisture out of my hair, and it was just absolutely crazy. And so it's really hot. And my first year here, I think it was like a hundred and twenty. Degrees it gets hot. at and one like point. July and August, it yeah. gets really, really hot. Yeah, um, but my wife. We're still all here. My wife. She when we were like you know newlywed, we had this. Uh, pet. We should just do a cruise. Yeah, we should just <laughs> take everyone out on the water. Yeah, because it's free it next year. Um, <laughs> it was like 120 degrees. She put the, our, our pet rabbit outside on the balcony to like clean or died. something like that. And learning it experience. Died. Learning experience that they don't survive outside. They don't do right. well. Don't leave like aerosol cans in your car. Yeah. Don't so, leave anything wait, that melts in your car. That's right. That's right. When you can, you can, you can, you can bake, Sodas. you can bake cookies in your car in yeah. Arizona. You, uh-huh. you really can. You just, you know, you put them on the cookie sheet and you put it on your thing. I think it's like 15 minutes and you're done. Like oh. it really, it really works. So when I first got here, my car got towed and there was a soda can in the car. And so by the time I went to go pick up the, this, the car from the place that towed it or stole it, however you wanted to find it, I say they stole it. Mm. But anyway... <laughs> the, the the can exploded in my car and it never got out. Yeah, it never got out. I gave my you friend. Know, I, I asked that question because I thought you guys might say like, "Oh yeah, it's pretty hot." 
But holy cow, you no, guys. No, 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 it gets worse. So it's people, not. It gets worse. It gets worse. It's not bad. People in Arizona, people, people in Arizona have learned, and this is, you guys can all, I think, agree with this, and Marcus probably already, you learn around July and August how to dr- get into your car and to start it up and start driving without, like, touching anything, without touching anything. Without touching anything. That's true. Yeah, no, that's yeah, absolutely that's true. That's true. You right. learn, yeah, because it's so unbelievably hot. You can really hurt yourself. And uh, you know those things where you see people like crack an egg and cooking on the sidewalk? That really happens. Yeah. That can happen. Yeah, yeah. that can happen. And well, Don't uh, walk around with your shoes off or anything. Fe- what is it, if I can describe it over the radio? Imagine if the sun could like put a pair of pants and shoes on and step into your life and yeah. um, <laughs> and put its hands on you. Like and just and apply <laughs> pressure. Hey, Joy, that's what it feels like. Hey, Joy, what was that story you were telling me about the the, the PE instructor that made the kid do sit oh, up? Oh, someone. Ups? There's been Outside. people that have gotten tr- gotten into trouble in August when school starts here. There's been like this PE teachers that have that have made kids do push-ups and they like burned their hands and stuff so, so they got in trouble. So come on down to the So now everybody wants to come. Yeah. Actually, it's not that well, bad. It's I, hot. When I own my car. It's still like... Okay, so the sun comes into your life, but it's yes. like giving you a hug. Yeah. You dress it's appropriately. It's like a sun intelligence. I spent time it's in the sun, sun today and I felt great. Well, I think the sun's yeah, in Whoever remember, needs vitamin D. Edward, Edward Scissorhands, yeah. like, yeah. he just wanted to hug people, but yeah. whenever right. he tried to hug them, he hurt them so bad. Well, yeah. yeah. That's that exactly, sounds like the sun in Arizona. That's exactly yeah. what the sun is in Arizona. And Although there was one thing, though. One thing that's kind of interesting about the sun in Arizona. If you're in Florida and it's really hot... No matter where you are, it's it's hot. Like you get in the shade, you know, maybe a little better, but you still you still right. it still get you right. Mm-hmm. But in Arizona, it is true. If you get even a minimal amount of shading, it changes the whole it's thing. Better. It changes oh, yeah. all perspective. Like the sun, if it's touching you in Arizona, it is an offense. And there's water all around us. We have pools, sprinklers. It's true. Many this opportunities. We turned des- we turned heat. a desert into Except a garden. Except for an apology at church, there's no sprinkling at apology at church. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Uh, 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 uh. It's true. Yeah, in regards to the sun, man. Like, so for those who don't know me, like part of how who I am, like I sort of have this like Google search bar in the back of my brain that's always running, and it's always like running these diagnostics to compare any sort of conversation to like some random movie or movie scene or movie quote. Yes. Mm. So with that being said, in the context of the sun, it totally in Arizona, uh, if anyone's seen that there's a Vin Diesel movie, the Chronicles of Riddick, mm. and there's a scene where he's like on this planet and he has to go and like rescue this one person. But the sunlight's like coming up over the horizon. And so he starts like running and he's in the shade. Throws water all over him. Yeah. And so, and he's running it. So he's running in the shade and all of a sudden the sun starts coming up and there's like, this is like wall of fire. He's like running from, and he like grabs this like rope and he's like swinging through like around this fire. And yeah, that, that's kind of what it's like. It's kind of like that. Drama. Thank you. Dr- yeah. Mo drama. So in other Mo words, drama. <laughs> sun's my favorite planet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this sounds my favorite planet. What's your favorite planet? Um, <laughs> all right, guys, so take a quick break. Come right back. I want to talk to Lesson Tanner about Reformed theology. I'm going to ask these guys why they think Reformed theology is so important and uh, why they're Reformed. How, how, how are you going to define Reformed theology? Well, yeah. we're, we're going to talk about that. Okay. We're going to talk right. about that. Do it. So um, I'm going to talk about the broad context of, of Reformed <laughs> theology. I'm not just going to isolate it to doctrines of grace. 
uh, which is actually what a lot of kind of modern folks do, like, you know, the modern quote-unquote reform movement in America. That's what I thought. Yeah, they think doctrines of grace, I'm reformed. But actually, it's much bigger. It's much, much bigger. So yeah. we will be right back, guys. Apologia Radio. Go to get more at ApologiaRadio.com. And Les and Tanner, where can people go to listen to your stuff? Oh, we got a website. It's called reformedpubcast.com. We got all the episodes there. And you can also subscribe on iTunes. Uh, That's probably the best way. Sweet. All right, guys. We will be right back. Don't forget to get your your tickets at uh, reformcon.org and get your live stream. For 21 years and counting, New St. Andrews College has sought to obey Christ's great commission to disciple nations and build him a house, not just in Jerusalem, but throughout the world, not with stones and mortar, but with living stones. We build and fight. This is the task of a Christian liberal arts college to equip students with the tools to build and fight. This is our joyful task as we seek to graduate leaders who shape culture through wise and victorious living. To learn more, visit us online at nsa.edu forward slash explore. Ladies and gentlemen, beauties and beasts, I have some good news for you. But in order for me to tell you the good news, I must share with you the bad. A beard can be a most magnificent thing, but it can also be the downfall of a man. An unmaintained beard prevents a face from shining. An unmaintained beard causes dry, itchy skin. An unmaintained beard is a source of beardruff. You know, like dandruff, but beardruff. An unmaintained beard is sharp and ruthless, like iron bristles, not good for the lady friend. An unmaintained beard forfeits future growth based on the lack of preparation today. And let's not forget that an unmaintained beard robs your face from smelling amazing let not thy beard be thy downfall protect your manlyhood an epic combination of manliness and manhood if you're hearing this today there is hope for your beard go to youcosbeard.com and enter the code apologia and you can save some money while you save your face theology on Apologia Radio. We talk about eschatology. We talk a lot about of apologetics. We talk a lot about cultural issues. We try to engage the issues of the day using the scriptures. We try to have a lot of fun. Uh, but one thing a lot of people will hear a lot from us is we talk a lot about reform theology. We talk about the doctrines of grace. We talk about something called Calvinism. We talk a lot about the sovereignty of God. It's kind of just part of our culture. And a lot of people they might see, you know, a link of a show we've done. Someone shared it. They click on it. They start listening to us for the first time. They might be a part of a segment of the church that, um, you know, these things are really unfamiliar. Um, we talk about the solas. They may not even know what I'm talking about. You may not know what I'm talking about right now. What do you mean by the solas? And and a lot of times those concepts are, you know, in and around your mind and your heart, but you may not understand. And so a lot of times. Uh, it might be kind of confusing for people to, you know, be like, I don't even understand why this is important, why you're talking about, I don't understand what any of it means. So uh, let's, we're talking about Reform Con. We're having a whole conference about the pillars of the Reformation and Reform theology and the doctrines of grace and those sorts of things. So let's talk about, like, why. Why, why are those things so important? Why are they so near and dear 
to us and uh, what's the point of even having a show that just discusses those things so um, Les and Tanner our buddies have uh, a show called the Reform Pubcast, and they have uh, the Reform Pub on Facebook, and it's a group where a lot of Reform folks get together and have great conversations, and uh, they talk a lot about Reform theology. And um, let me ask you guys. Um, well, first, let me start. Let me start this way. Were Were you always Reformed, or did you have a change of mind? And let's start with there, and then we'll talk about what that all means. You can go ahead, Tanner. Uh. Yeah, so Les and I, well, Les, Les was brought up differently than I was. I was brought up in a, uh, like a Southern Baptist home, uh, but not a confessional uh, Baptist church or anything like that. Um, and we actually met uh, at a Calvary Chapel um, and kind of, not reformed. I guess, became reformed together at a Calvary Chapel. Uh, and, uh, long story short, basically we were rebuked from the pulpit for talking about Calvinism, uh, at young adults ministry, uh, and pretty much asked to leave, uh, because of our, uh, changing convictions. And then, uh, the rest is just kind of a history of, of the Lord reforming us more and more and, uh, making us more serious about being confessional and following regular principle. And, um, so, it's funny because Les and I just recently talked about this. Our, our show is, um, I, I've come to the realization that it, it's not really the reformed, reformed pubcast, but really the reforming pubcast. Um, it's really become like a biography of, of Les and I, hmm. um, just becoming more reformed in our, uh, and, and just, just about everything that in the, in every way that we think. Um, and, and the Lord has graciously brought us out of, uh, being young, restless, and reformed, uh, and has continued patiently with us, making us more serious about His Word, uh, and making us uh, just more serious about being consistent, um, and uh, and just striving to you know bring as much glory to Him as possible. And it's just been it's awesome to look back now and see um, how the Lord has just I mean just brought brought us so far in such a short amount of time. Um, in, in the ways, and we still have so far to go. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was basically just, uh, I think we kind of were a part of that, uh, that error that Mark Driscoll, Matt Chandler, um, John Piper, young guys listening to all those, those guys. Um, and from there, uh, just started studying more, reading our Bibles more, uh, and, uh, kind of just coming up with hard questions uh, that seemed only to be answered by uh, people from uh, the Reformation. So, um, and, and, and I think the biggest thing for me was that it, I, well, it really attracted me initially to reform theology was the fact that the men who uh, kind of treaded the way for the Reformation weren't afraid to ask the hard questions and provide answers that maybe sometimes it was just a mystery answer, but but a, a lot of times they they just pounded the scripture looking for answers to the hard questions that I found uh, a lot of people either unable to answer because it would it would lead them to show them their inconsistency in their theology, or they didn't want to ask them because they uh, they didn't they didn't just didn't like the result of what the answer would bring, so. 
Yeah, I think that that's I don't I mean, I, I don't know if I speak for less with that, but that's really what brought me um, uh, kind of into in, initially into reform theology. Yeah, yeah, you totally do. And I th- uh, it's funny you you bring up that young, restless, reformed, uh, you know, title. It's funny. Apparently that title is unshakable once it's been applied to you. Like it doesn't matter how much quote unquote more reformed you become. It, like like if you are this this uh like Tanner and I I, I believe will never uh, be able to escape that label of young restless or reformed. And I'm okay with that. Like I come to I've come to the point where it's like, all right, so we were a part of this movement. We were a part of a generation of twenty somethings that um that were convinced that God is the one who monergistically comes and saves his people and he elects and all these things. And it was, you know, there was a very simplistic um, salvation, uh, salvation theology that was handed to us. And, you know, for a whole generation of people, it was like, it was like, all right, so now we get the the salvation part of it. Now, where are we going to go from here? Are we going to continue? Are we going to carry this this salvation theology, the the five solas, the the uh, the tulip? Are we going to carry these these specific doctrines and just continue to do church the way that we always thought we should, and um, not change anything more more dramatically than we think we should? Or do we continue to press on and reform even uh, the the more minute areas of our lives? Um, what our families should look like, what worship should look like, mm. what church should look like. Yep. Um, do, do we continue to, to uh, reform these things? And that that's actually following after the reformed tradition. I would say that, that that's sort of the difference. Yes. Yes. Like you can do this, you can do this sort of, sort of shallow, um, get the doctrines right of, of um, you know, and then you're, then you're quote unquote, a Calvinist. So then you're doing the Calvinist thing and you're a little bit different than, the Arminian church next door, but for the most part, you look the same and it's up to the person who walks into, you know, uh, well, did they mention election? That's the thing that's going to, you know, <laughs> gonna yes. decide between the two. Yeah. Um, but, but we think there, there is more to it. Yeah. And uh, I just think it's, I think it's funny that uh, we still, no matter what we say, we, no matter what we do, everything's a trend. Everything's, uh, you know, young, restless reform. This is what they're doing now. Mm. Which is, you know, I, I guess it's a stigma that, that I can live with. It's it's fine. Yeah. And I wanna I wanna add this to like just on top of what Les is saying is that um it's it's absolutely by the grace of God at, at all that we have moved anywhere from where we were originally in, in our theology. And and I will say that also um the things that they the means that God used to challenge us, especially once we started putting our thoughts public and saying things that were stupid and having to come back and repent of saying those stupid things and, and, and stuff. It was never because some uh, angry old guy, some old reformer wrote a blog post shaming us. It was because um, somebody who was older and wiser uh, lovingly um, uh came to us either privately or even, you know, publicly on our Facebook page or something, but, but lovingly said, Hey, you know, you guys should rethink that thought, you know, here's some resources, here's some stuff. You really should think about this. Um, I, I I just want to make it clear that if you are one, you know, an older guy who's reformed and just fed up with the young restless and reform kind of people, um, the way that you're going to inspire them to take these things more seriously 
is not it's not going to be through a blog post where you're 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 just shaming them and calling them out. Uh, if you really have a passion in your heart to uh, you know see young men take these things, young men and women take these things more seriously. Um, write them an email or try to get in contact with them somehow and do it and do it lovingly. Um, it's something that Les and I have been exposed to so much, just so much, uh, critique and, and just, uh, just a lot of times just vile, uh, uh, responses. And, and those aren't the things that, that the Lord used as means, uh, at least for me, uh, that, that, uh, inspired me to take these doctrines more seriously. It was, it was just the older guys who were just so wise in the way that they knew how to love, uh, uh, you know, younger men that, and, 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 uh, and just show them the right theology and, and inspire them to take these things more seriously. Um, and I think that's a very important, important thing, especially within reform groups. Um, we're so focused on truth that sometimes we forget that, if there's not love in that truth, um, nobody's going to hear you. Hmm. What, why do you think that Reformed theology, and, and that's, I'm saying it really loosely because there's a Reformed theology that's about God. Um, there's uh, Reformed uh, soteriology that's the doctrine of salvation. I mean, we can go down the line of like particular brands of Reformed ecclesiology or even eschatology. But why, let's just use it as a general term, kind of encompassing everything, Reformed theology. Why do you guys think Reformed theology is so vitally important? I mean, isn't this just something Christians can disagree on? And is it worth having a show called the Reformed Pubcast and having a group called the Reformed Pub? Like, why dedicate your lives to a theology that is different than a lot of uh, evangelicals in the West and what's, um, uh, what they're accustomed to? Why do you think it's important? Well, I think we are uh, in the in the modern time that we live in. We're faced with the exact same um, the exact same problem that uh, has faced uh, the Reformation, has faced uh, Jesus Himself, uh, has faced the the prophets of old. Um, it's it's there. There is a theology that feels much more comfortable. Uh, on on the whole, like uh, like people are willing to go so far with God's word, um, but but they they have to stop at the point where it becomes. Hold on a second, God is in, encroaching on my territory, mm-hmm. and mm. and that's real. That's really the biggest. That's really the biggest thing. Like the the difference between uh, Arminianism and Calvinism, or uh, you know, modern evangelicalism versus Reformed theology. The difference is, does God get to be God? Does God get to step on your toes? Does God get to tell you how it's going to be? And most people, well, actually all people by nature, will not accept a God who is willing or or who says that he has the authority to tell you how it's going to be. And you have to actually submit to him and he's actually going to rule over your life in ways that uh, make our autonomy feel all uncomfortable. Um, so yeah. it, it's huge. Uh, it changes everything. It changes it does. Uh, the way you see uh, how God interacts with us in salvation. Uh, God is not just you know waiting uh, patiently for you to respond in, uh, in repentance uh, to finally accept him. No, he is God, and he will single-handedly 
he will step down and he will uh, grab you out of any situation that you're in, any sinful situation. He will tear you out of that and he will make mm. you a Christian. For his glory. And yep. Amen. For his glory. Absolutely. Right. So, I mean, th- that's the, the, we're saying that God is God. God can do whatever God wants to do. And if God wants to save someone, he will save that person. Yeah. Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Psalm mm-hmm. 115. Amen. And, yeah. you know, it's, um, it's, it's often stated, I think Dr. White says this a lot, the Reformed theology is theocentric and man-made religion. Other religions are anthropocentric. And that means basically one is God-centered and one is man-centered. Centered and uh, and that matters a lot. And I would just say, just for me, and I want to have everyone else participate. I would say, for me, not only do I think these issues in Reformed theology are uh, essentials, ultimately, and safeguard the gospel, um, they are the only way that I can even possibly fathom to effectively minister to the hurting soul of a person. And um, I, I can say, for you know, for me. I've been reformed for a very long time, and um, I've been I've I've studied this and loved these truths for a very very long time. But for me, where it really started to um, take root in my soul in such a way that I it was something I never wanted to ever let go of um, was when I became the head chaplain at this hospital because I had in front of me every single day at minimum five appointments face to face with people who were in some of the most broken places. Uh, you can possibly imagine. And I sat in front of groups of people every single day to do group uh, sessions with people and to preach um, at this hospital. And so, so, I mean, I can tell you stories of, of a guy that was in front of me that um, two days before he was in treatment, um, he was working for the Mexican, um, uh, Mexican cartel. And um, he and a friend had uh, gotten in trouble working for them. And they took his friend and they threw his friend into a wood chipper in front of him as a way to, you know, terrify him and to let him know never to cross them again. Um, I can tell you about all kinds of awful, awful, awful circumstances Mm -hmm. these people were in. And and let me just say that if I didn't know from the scriptures what I know about God and the truths that are contained within Reformed theology, I don't know how in the world I could have ever ministered to these people um, and really let them know that God has a purpose and all of this evil in the world, and um, that God could redeem even their most broken mm-hmm. place. And uh, it's just really an amazing thing that Reformed theology has legs on it that um, give me, as a minister, the ability to effectively minister to people in a meaningful way. And I just, I just can't imagine, I mean, I mean this sincerely, I can't imagine how somebody who is Arminian who maybe is even an open theist, which I think is consistent Arminian thinking, um, can minister to the girl who was kidnapped um, and chained to a bed um, and violated for four days in a row, pumped full of drugs um, by crack addicts. Hmm. I don't. I don't know how you can minister to that girl and talk to her about God if God is impotent when it comes to the will of man, and if God didn't have a purpose. Um, if he was not in control of that. And so um, these, this stuff matters. I mean, mm-hmm. it just matters. It really is the substance of life. And so it, it, obviously I believe the epistemological issues are, are vitally important in terms of what the Reformation really zeroed in on in terms of epistemology and how do we know what we know. Um, I mean, just read, read Reform Dogmatics by Bavink and have your life changed. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. seriously. And in yeah. terms of like revelation, the importance of it, 
the value of it, the quality of it, and uh, what that means in terms of how we can know stuff and know anything at all. And uh, that's all Reformed thinking. And I think it's I think it's first century New Testament thinking. I think it's biblical thinking. But it's, it matters. It really is the stuff of life. It's the stuff that meets you every day. And like you said, Les, it, Reformed theology is the stuff that really changes your individual life, you in business, you in, with your family. It's not to say, of course, that Christians who aren't Reformed can't apply biblical principles. It's just that Reformed theology is a total life and worldview that does find its way into every nook and cranny of your life. And you do think, like you were saying, Les, that like how, can, how does my life get shaped here and reformed according to the word of God? And that's, that's all reformed thinking. And it all ultimately ends up with what? The glory of God. Soli yeah. Deo Gloria is to God alone be the glory. Mm-hmm. To God alone be the glory in my business. To God alone be the glory in my study of theology. To God alone be the glory in my family, in my church, and in my salvation. That's a big one. Yeah, and just, you know, we're, we're all talking about the context of theology matters. And um, just in my experience, I mean, God kind of threw some lessons my way and experiences where I got to see the misuse and abuse of bad theology. And I got, and I was able to witness about how that affected and wrecked people spiritually and physically. And the ability to experience that, I mean, people, some of the most dearest people in my life. And so the ability to see and experience that, I mean, you think about all over the news and they talk about like a medical malpractice, you know, lawsuits and things like that. But when you look at what the gospel really is and you take a a reform worldview where you say that like God is sovereign and all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. And when it talks about in Colossians where it says, take heed lest anyone, you know, take, take you captive, to take you captive through anything deceptive, through any sort of captive or deceptive philosophy, then they have that's according to tradition, not according to Christ. And when you see that practically, whether it's in the context of uh, counseling and, and taking and beginning with it, that Christ is the, uh, Christ is the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power in him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge you become from that focal point and from there everything else falls into place not taking the world the the worldly wisdom and trying fitting and trying to conform that and trying to fit the bible around that and so at the at the end of the day that theology like i said the, that theology is all fun and games until you see it hurt the people that you care about mm-hmm. so there's something in me now like especially just you know, in my experiences now, there, there's like a will and a drive to like to seek the truth because I want to make sure that it, it's a thing that that's why it says, you know, with you being a pastor, like teachers are going to go over a stricter judgment. Yeah. Because what you say is that is as important as like a neurosurgeon who is is removing like a tumor in order to save someone's life. You're dealing with their that can happen. But if that person is not regenerate and they don't know Christ they're gonna get they're still gonna go to hell even that tumor is removed we're dealing with something that has the ability to save I mean ultimately God saves but we're called to be faithful to that and yeah. that's that's a huge that's a huge huge thing so that, that's that's my two cents Marcus yes reformed theology why is it important to you well I think it's important because it magnifies the glory of God just in all things right 
and that uh, he's in charge of, you know, like R.C. Sproul says, every atom. There's not a stray molecule in right. all the universe. Right. And so I think when things go bad, especially like in our, you know, especially like you could say like in the political spectrum right now, in our nation, to not be able to trust God leads you into all sorts of absurdity. Right. And you go into pragmatism and like how you vote or pragmatism and uh, how you function and operate and and just knowing that the sovereignty of God is sovereign over scripture and scripture applies to all areas of life and we have an author- authority to stand on in, in all contexts for whether we work or whether we create and, and like and all that. Yeah. You know, uh, Bridger, you want to say? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably the least qualified to say on this because I'm like probably the youngest. You're in a college the, graduate though, yeah. so that means something, right? Uh, GCU. Sure, um, <laughs> Grand Canyon University. Um, I, I'm like became reformed two years ago, and just knowing what my chief end, like my goal in life, is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Oh yeah, and that's an eye opener because I came from a Calvary Chapel background, went to like the you know Holy Ghost, you know movement with um, you know being drunk in the spirit. Beth- Bethel you, Church, and, Bethel and, and Church. My buddy, he plays for Beth- used to play for Bethel Music stuff like that so i was like into that and i didn't know how to glorify god isn't it darren isn't it darren wilson who did the holy ghost movies yeah, and my finger buddy. of god like you you got connections to people who are like deeply into that stuff only not not too deep but okay. only like okay. a couple of people i know but like i came from that background and i didn't realize the beauty of god's you know sovereignty through all the scripture through all of history and how he's um saving his People that he who he uh, chosen before the foundations of the world, and carrying out his plan throughout history and in history today, that, like regardless of whatever situation we know God's in control, and that's a great comfort. Before that, I didn't have that comfort. So yeah, you know, um, one of the other aspects of Reformed soteriology that becomes so important when you talk about the doctrines of grace and the nature of man and Christ's um, salvation, the atonement. What did Jesus actually accomplish on the cross? I mean, these are all like big, reformed, important doctrines. And if somebody says, well, is it really important? I would say it safeguards the gospel. That's the thing. So you talk about, you know, the the aspect of reformed theology that's reformed soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. People often say reformed theology, oh, that means Calvinism. That means tulip, right? Is that important? Yeah, because it safeguards the gospel. I mean, that's really the issue. When you talk about issues like election and God's choice and his choosing in salvation and the nature of mankind and man's will, all those things are vitally important because they do strike at the heart of the gospel and how a person is ultimately justified before God and reconciled to God. And so when you, you know, when you when you fudge on the nature of man, then it ends up bleeding into um, how you preach the gospel to somebody. So like, for example, it shows you how important this is. In a Reformed church, there isn't a lot of emphasis on the pomp and circumstance. There isn't a lot of emphasis on the manipulation of your emotions. There is the, um, the desire to clearly communicate all of the truths of the gospel, God's holiness, our utter depravity and, and, and sin, um, our dependence upon God for salvation, the, the call to repentance and faith, and to do it 100%, 100 full proof, right? 
full on with no manipulation, uh, no trying to tug on your emotion just to somehow get you to make a decision for Jesus. Reformed churches try to clearly communicate the gospel in such a way that it is true, it is full in content, and there's no manipulation. Because if you believe that man is totally depraved and it is up to God to save, then you don't need to manipulate anybody and and having them make a quote-unquote decision for Jesus. And so these things do matter. I mean, sometimes you go into uh, the modern evangelical churches and there's a lot of manipulation of emotions. And there's a lot of false profession because people may not even fully understand the gospel. Somebody might hear from somebody in the modern evangelical church movement, um, uh, how many of you guys um, want to go to heaven one day? Oh, uh, uh, me. Okay, I want you to go ahead and uh, and pray this prayer with me. You know, Guilty. with that was with, me. with what with with uh, with uh, the repetition of just as I am a hundred times, you know, over and over and over. And there's there's a tug at your emotions. There's a there's an appeal to try to get you to make a decision for Jesus to pray a magic prayer. It's not something you'll often find in a reformed community because there's the understanding that salvation is from the beginning to end all God. Yeah. He does it all, and it is all to his glory. And so there's no need to pull punches. There's no need to manipulate emotions because, ready, you can't change the will of man um, by manipulating um, in, in, in any kind of new creation sense. It has to be God, and it has to be through the gospel and God's spirit that God applies it. And so, you know, th- does this stuff matter? I mean, it's the, it's the stuff of life. It's, it's, it's yeah. what has to has to be for there to be a healthy church and a clear communication of the gospel. And it's it's taking God seriously ultimately. Right. It's it's believing it's believing what God says in his word to be powerful to do what God says his word will do. Um in something that um more recently uh I've come to more greatly appreciate is just the idea of the means of grace. We say that that God uses means to accomplish his ends. And uh, the reality is we ask all these spiritual questions about, um, you know, how should I improve in this area of my life or how should I um, how am I going to get better? You know, in this some 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 thing that I'm failing in. Um, God has means and he's actually told us what they are and we know specifically what they are. And uh, in worship, they're they're given to us, especially in reformed worship, which holds to. Um, uh, the regulative principle of worship, which says that God, what God has said we should do in worship is what we should do in worship. So mm-hmm. we, um, we use the sacraments, we pray, we, uh, we experience the preaching of God's word and we fellowship. And these are the four things that God actually says will be uh, the means by which he provides the grace that will sanctify us day by day, week by week, we continue to come to to uh, corporate worship before God, and we are changed as we hear God's word preached, as we pray with God's people, as we fellowship with God's people, and as we take the Lord's Supper every week. Um, and if you if you don't see those as the God ordained means of grace, they become these religious things that you sort of go through. But then on top of that, you tack on all you all your actual means. So, you know, we're going to do the, we're going to do the stuff that really changes people. And that's all pragmatic, pragmatic garbage that you've come up with yourself. So uh, in reform circles, what we're saying is, no, 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 no. God has actually told us exactly the means by which he will change us. Yes. Four specific things. You don't have to look anywhere else. 
these other things are fine, but you can't you can't elevate them to say because psychology says if we do a uh, you know uh, a group where we'll, we'll do Bible studies every week and all this stuff, and that's what's really going to change people. Don't don't look to don't look to that secondary means that you've come up with as a church, which is fine. It's great to study the Bible, but Bible studies aren't what God says will change people. Look to what God says are the actual means of grace, the grace that will be transferred from God himself to us through these means, which always happens week by week in corporate worship. Mm. Powerful, powerful stuff, guys. Yeah, and there's so much here, too, and just what you're talking about, Les, in terms of, of uh, the regulative principle of worship, and even, you know, as churches are, are reformed and reforming, and, they, you know, even if you've, you see some failures in reformed churches in terms of worship, you see a, a trajectory forward where they're moving towards reformation within their worship because they recognize that God dictates to us how we're to worship him. And, you know, even in, even in the function of the church, you know, in terms of like um, how we operate within the church itself and the church government and those sorts of things, of course, there's differences with, between reform folks about, you know, church government. But e- even with those differences, you see such a Catholicity between, say, Reformed Baptists and Presbyterians, even within church government stuff. And some people might disagree with that, but I think there is a strong Catholicity there of of some principles that are held to. You know, for I'll give you an example. This is, again, just me being transparent. I've been in ministry for a very long time, and, um, you know, we're Reformed at Apologia Church, but I have been in ministry long enough to be around other church communities, and I've gotten, I've actually got to see how churches that aren't reformed operate in terms of like church government and how to function as a church. And um, I was asked uh, years ago to be a part of a, um, a, a part of a, a, a network, a church, basically a denomination um, that was not on the whole reformed. It had some reformed communities within the network, but it was not on the whole reformed. And let me just tell you guys, um, knowing the reformed world that I do know and how we operate within the reformed world and the, the scriptures governing how we do church. And when we ask questions about how we should do this or that, we go to the scriptures and say, well, what did God say about that? I got to see the most creative ways to do church ever. You know, I was with, I was in, a, I got to kind of hang out with these guys for a bit and mostly Arminian. And I got to see how they would answer questions and they would try to solve problems and how they would say we should move forward. And I got to kind of just watch as a spectator. Um, I remember at one point I was in a gathering in this network with all these different churches, local churches, both basically Arminian or partially Arminian. And when they were asking questions like, well, how do you do church government? How do you guys solve these problems? Nobody was going to the scriptures. It was all about, well, what do you think? What's creative? How can we do this in such a way that actually it appeals to the community? And it was just, you know, not going to the scriptures. And when they were talking about how you uh, hire, quote unquote, hire uh, leaders in your church, we never went to the Bible. Never went to the Bible to say like, well, what are God's standards for leaders? It was all about um, who is an entrepreneur, who knows how to run a business and who has business skills and um, and it was really just more pragmatic stuff and what works best and who is most charismatic and who can, um, who's uh, the best looking, who's the best looking, you know, bestest, you know, looking. and it wasn't ever the Pastor. question of well, what does God say is the standard for an elder or a teacher? Um, what's, what's God say about what a pastor must be like and uh, what are the qualifications according to scripture for that minister? And so you do, you know, you see a dramatic impact upon the life of the body of Christ 
when you abandon these reform principles. And so they're, they're vitally important things. Yeah, one thing I've noticed is a lot of churches, um, they try to set up their services around programs and seekers. And known from Reformed theology, total depravity, no one seeks after God. Yeah. And also we, we cherish the scriptures. So we, instead of um, setting up a program around like, you know, be the godly man for your family, we go through like, Matthew, like we're doing in church right now, like uh, when you go through verse every, by verse, verse by verse, yeah, word by word, it's painful at times. I'm like, this is like a you know repeat, but I love it. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and it's good when you just talk about theology matters. Now, um, you were just talking earlier about like why you thought theology matters, but did you told so right now you are you are you officially licensed as a chaplain? No, like in no, the military? I, no, I'm a chaplain candidate. I but, just got accepted. You're working, yeah, but you're, that's something you are you are working for. That's where your heart's at, right? Yes. And so you think about like theology matters. Like if, if you're in a you're in a position to where people know you're a chaplain and say there's a soldier coming back from Afghanistan or somewhere like that, and they've got serious like PTSD and they've just seen crazy things. In that context, like in that moment where they're looking to you, like help me make sense of like the nightmares I'm having and why did this thing happen or dealing with the guilt that you know a sit like there's friendly fire and you know all those scenarios, but. Yeah. In that moment, like theology matters. Yes, like exactly. God being saw, like God is because the reality is that if we're going to believe that God is is in the heavens, He does as He pleases. He is in that context. He's in that moment of pain of that soldier who's coming across, looking at you and and dealing with that stuff. And that's where the rubber hits the road, like mm-hmm. with that theology. So yeah, that's right. All right, guys, so this has been an awesome episode of Apologia Radio. First ever with the Reform Pubcast. It's the Reform Pubcast. <laughs> Les, give it to me. You got uh, to do it. You got to uh, do it. All, you got to do it because I do it all the time. And okay. so you got to do it once on Apologia Radio. <laughs> okay. The Reform Pubcast. Okay, you got to say, it's the Reform Pubcast. Oh, you're talking about like from the ad. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's the Reform Pubcast. <laughs> the theology of Calvin know. with the thirst of Luther. There yeah, you that's go. right. That's right. Bam, that's right. right. You got it. I listen to it. I love that show. All right, guys. Make awesome. sure you guys check out Lesson Tanner and check out the Reform Pub on Facebook. Marcus Pittman on the ones and twos. Thank you, sir. No problem. And Honey Bridger, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. And of course, Nasrudamus. Glad I can make it. Lesson Tanner. Thank you, boys. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Don't forget, everybody, you can go to reformcon.org. You can get your tickets there to join us in town, or you can get the live stream. You also get a free month of Apologia All Access. And don't forget to go to missionaware.com, pick up a shirt with a great reformer on that shirt. You can get those there. ApologiaRadio.com is where you guys go to get all the past episodes. This is the Ninja. Sorry, baptism, we ran out of time. Oh, man. <laughs> we could just sprinkle it real quick. <laughs> we can sprinkle it. Sprinkle All right, guys. Bye. We'll catch you guys next time. Hi, this is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio. You can get us at ApologiaRadio.com. I'm also the pastor at Apologia Church in Tempe. You can get us at ApologiaChurch.com. want to invite you guys to join us for worship, the word, and fellowship on Sundays at 4 p.m. And that's Joy Tembe. Hey there. We are a family-integrated church, so we invite you to bring your whole family to worship with us. This is Luke Pearson, the ministry bear, also discipleship pastor at Apologia Church. Like Jeff mentioned, we are now meeting at a new location and time. 
4 p.m. on Sunday afternoons at Arizona Community Church. That's 9325 South Rural Road and Tempe. We're meeting in the Community Center, and that is between Warner and Ray off of Rural. Again, you can reach us on them internets at apologiachurch.com. Delicious beards are encouraged but not required. <laughs> Glory! <laughs> <laughs> 